This morning on Palm Sunday, we conclude a series of sermons during the Lenten season. We've been finding our rhythm, finding our rhythm, living up, uh, lining up with the heartbeat of God, living in that practice, that rhythm of being in step with God. And uh, we've been looking at various facets. And in a moment, I'm going to read two scriptures that talk about trust. The one is from Psalm 31, uh, and the other is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. And I invite you to have your Bibles open if you'd like, even though they'll be on the screen. And right now, I'd like for us to bow for meditation and some silence. And then I'll lead us in prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, you sent Jesus Christ, your Son, to rescue us from sins. How we thank you for that redeeming, restoring work, for the power of the cross. But even before that day of crucifixion, you, you came, Lord, riding a donkey, uh, a beast that symbolized peace. You came to your city prepared for your rule of peace, and we pray that your rule of peace might be in our hearts, no matter what clamor and distractions and hatred might be around us. Your peace might be in our church, your peace might be within our community, and your peace might be in and among nations. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who lived so faithfully, who gave a courageous testimony in the presence of Pontius Pilate, and who gave his life for us. Teach us, God, this morning what it means to live in simplicity and trust. We pray today for those in our congregation who are ill. We pray for those in our congregation who are grieving and struggling with personal issues. We pray for our mission partners all the way to Ukraine and all the way around the world in Kenya. We pray for our partners in South Dakota, and we pray for our partners at South Elementary School, for the teachers, the students, and the administration as they uh, experience a spring break, and then as they prepare for the final push to accomplish all that they need to accomplish in carrying out the good work of education. We pray, dear God, for those congregations that are uh, facing Uh, protest today, that you just fill them with your grace and love. We pray for Westboro Baptist Churches and all churches, Westboro Baptist Church and all churches, including ours, that will be faithful to the gospel of love and grace and truth, that we will live your gospel with humility. Open our hearts now to understand your word about trust, and we pray all of this in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Psalm chapter 31, verses 14 through 16, and then the gospel according to Luke, chapter 23, verses 44 through 46. If you're able, would you stand, please, as I read God's word aloud? But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. 
My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. And then, as Jesus was hanging on the cross, we read these powerful words. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. May God bless and anoint his holy word. You may be seated. The very first Missouri River Bridge here in Jefferson City was built in 1896. Uh, Can you imagine how life changed for this community once a bridge spanned the Missouri River? Can you imagine how it changed commerce, how it changed social life, how it changed the whole way of being that there was this bridge? And can you imagine how many thousands of times each of us added together, have been across the current Missouri River Bridge here in Jefferson City in all the years that we have lived in this area, thousands and thousands of times. But the truth is that all of the modern engineering that made the bridge possible wouldn't matter. All of the uh, hard work and the dangerous work by the construction crews wouldn't matter All of the uh, pride we take in those twin spans wouldn't matter if people did not trust enough to go across the bridge. In the beginning, I suppose, they had to trust the bridge enough to walk across it or take the horse and buggy across it, bicycle across it now or drive the car across it. it. It's not enough to simply admire it. Sooner or later... We all have to trust it and put our full weight down on it, just like Kristen said about the chair. And by the way, the most fascinating thing about Kristen's children's time is that she can sit like that and then get up, you know. (laughs) I can't do that anymore. It's that trust that made all those other preliminary things mean anything. Likewise, you and I have been on a journey during Lent. We have uh, been talking about listening for the voice of God, discerning individually but also as a congregation God's will and God's direction for us. We've talked about repentance. We've talked about rest and quietness. We've talked about the prayer of indifference, praying not our own selfish will but God's. But all of that is preliminary. None of it means anything if after all of that we do not simply put the full weight of our souls down on Jesus and trust him. It doesn't mean anything if we don't trust God to support us in that stepping out in faith. That's that's called trust, to actually do the stepping out and the trusting. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he said, 
Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He's actually quoting Psalm 31, 5. We didn't read the fifth verse. But the whole 31st Psalm is about trust. Now think about it. Jesus' last words were a song. That's what the Psalms are. They're songs. Jesus died on the cross with the words of a song. He died on the cross quoting scripture. He died on the cross talking to his heavenly Father. He died on the cross trusting. Just as the psalmist said, My times, Lord, are in your hand. I walk across that bridge. I trust you. I take you at your word. Now, when you think about it, that prayer that Jesus prayed, Lord, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, that's the same prayer we pray when we first came to faith, when we first were converted, isn't it? Maybe we didn't say those exact words, but that's really what it is to step across the line from lost to saved, as the language we use, from a non-believer to a believer, to say, Lord, I can't do this by myself. Lord, I'm lost without you. I can't manage my life. Lord, I need you. You have done for me, God, what I cannot do for myself. I need the saving power of Jesus. I can't forgive myself. I can't have power for new want-tos. You're going to have to change me from the inside out. I commit my spirit to you, God, into your hands. That's, that's the sinner's prayer. Isn't that also the prayer we pray when, as followers of Jesus, we face a crisis? How many of you here are facing some kind of struggle and crisis in your life right now? And there's no, there's no human answer. There's no way out. And so you pray something like, Lord, this is bigger than me. Into your hands, I commend my spirit. I, I, I've got to trust you in this. Isn't this the prayer we pray when we're seeking guidance for God's will? Discernment is the language that we're using during the Lenten season and all during this year of of journey. We're trying to find God's will about a job or about uh, a place to live or about a relationship or choices we have to make, and we're asking for God's direction, and pretty soon our brain's tired. We weigh the pluses, we weigh the minuses, and pretty soon it's not a logical matter anymore. We have to just say, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. I trust you. And isn't this the prayer we pray when we're facing our own mortality? When we're dealing with the reality of our own eventual death? Isn't this the place we come to where we say, it's frightening, there are a lot of things I don't understand about what happens when I leave this world, but God, I have trusted you, I've given you the only soul I have. Jesus, I'm trusting what you've done for me on the cross. Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. That's what Jesus did. And by the way, don't sugarcoat the prayer of Jesus and don't write it off as, well, he was divine, he was God's son, so it probably wasn't as scary for him. The Bible also says he was fully human. He was fully human. He had prayed in the garden, Lord, if there's any way 
take this cup from me. Lord, if there's any way, don't, don't make me go through this. There on the cross, in all of his humanity, he's saying, God, I'm trusting that what I believe is following after this cruel death will come to be, but Lord, it's in your hands. I commend my spirit to you, Father. But I also want us to think about the fact that Jesus did not start trusting God that day on the cross. You ever think about that? Jesus was building trust muscle all through his life. He was was practicing trust all his life. When he was a boy of 12, trying to figure out what his bar mitzvah meant, when his parents lost him there in the temple. With his growing awareness of who he was and what God had for him at his baptism, figuring out what his journey might mean, he had to trust God. Figuring out when he was tempted in the wilderness, am I going to go the way of popularity? Uh, Am I going to just do a lot of fireworks in the sky and get people to follow me as a popular political leader? Or am I going to be a truth bearer? He He had to trust God. When he was misunderstood, he had to trust God. When the disciples disappointed him, he had to trust God. When people started making fun of him and turning against him, he had to trust God. When he was being beaten with cruel whips, he had to trust God every step of the way. Here's an interesting question. What would have been if Jesus had disobeyed God? Where would we be today if Jesus would have said no to the cross? Or if on the cross, Jesus had refused to trust God one more time? We're thinking about all of history was hanging in the balance as Jesus was on the cross. The world may not know it, but this week, Holy Week, is the most important week in human history. Everything is a fulcrum. Everything is is in the balance right there. All the drama of human history is there. Whether or not Jesus obeys God, whether he trusts God, whether he rests his soul on God, and Jesus did. You know, in one of our daily devotions that we've been doing in this Lenten season of discernment, the emails uh, or the devotional book, The 40 Days of Prayer, one of the days uh, the writer said, uh, reminded us, you know, it is possible that our unbelief can limit God. God in his sovereignty and his freedom has chosen to operate such that our lack of faith can limit God. That's a scary thought, isn't it? And so the daily devotional had this challenge. Think of one thing you do not believe God can do in your church. Name one thing you do not believe God is capable of doing in your life. And then the challenge was, are you willing to turn that one thing over to God and really trust God with that thing you think is impossible? Are you willing to trust God to do that which is not ordinary? See, that's what trust is all about. 
Now, I know this about trust. It's a lot easier to preach about trust than it is to trust God. And some of you Sunday school teachers know it's a lot easier to teach lessons about trusting God than it is to trust God. It's easier to sing about it, easier to pray about it. It's easier to give advice. Isn't it easy to give advice to someone else about how she should just just turn it over to God and trust God with it? We're great at giving advice. Our oldest grandson turned 15 last year, and over the period of months, he got his driver's permit. And uh, I encouraged our daughter, Tamara, his mother. I said, now, let him drive. He's got his permit. The only way he's going to learn is by experience. I said, you know, you just need to trust him. It's going to be okay. He's got a good head on his shoulders. And then I told her about how young I was when I started driving on the farm. And by the way, if anybody is here this morning who currently works for a highway patrol or used to, you don't want to know how young I was when I started driving a pickup truck. Let's just say I had to slide off the front seat to get the clutch engaged. And I said, so just, it's going to be okay, just trust him. Well, we were up in Kansas City sometime after that, and Campbell, my oldest grandson, was with me. We'd stopped at a grocery store to get some ice cream for a family gathering. He said, Papa, how about I drive home from the grocery store to the house? (laughs) My palms started sweating. I got dry mouth, and I stalled around, and I said, oh, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> I, I thought to myself, it's, it's not Tamara's car he wants to drive, it's my van. <laughs> the shiny white one that as of yet does not have any bumps on it. That van. But then I trusted him, and everything was Okay. You see how easy it is to give advice to someone else about trusting? But to step out ourselves, it's tough. And one of the reasons it's tough is because we have this nagging, selfish will. We want God to line up all the verification. We want God to line up all the guarantees ahead of time, but then it's not faith, is it? It's not trust if we have to have everything lined up. We want outcomes guaranteed. God, I'll do this if you guarantee outcomes. That's not faith. And I know a lot of the small groups during Lent wrestled with this phrase, the prayer of indifference, the prayer for indifference. But that's really what the prayer for indifference is. It's saying, God, your will be done. I don't have to know outcomes. I trust you. I don't have to have all that guaranteed. And related to that, we need to remember that discerning God's will comes after we obey. It doesn't come before. We would like for God to submit God's plan to us for review. God, let me look it over. Let me check it out, and if it's something I want to do, I'll check off. I'll get back to you. It doesn't work that way. God does not unfold God's purposes for our selfish, immature human review. God is sovereign and free. 
God asks us to trust Him first, and after we trust Him, He opens up the way. God asks us to obey first, and after that, He shows us the path. God asks us to commit and trust, and then He'll step-by-step show. We stop trusting, He'll stop showing. So, What's it going to be? Are you willing to take God at His word that God is as good as God says God is? Are you willing to trust in this God who gave us His Son, Jesus Christ, and all that that means? And are you willing to simplify your life by beginning to practice trust? Because the single most simplifying factor in our lives is the practice of beginning to trust God. So much clutter just falls away when we start trusting. Years ago, I wrote in my personal journal something that I think about a lot. My life is as simple as my commitment to Christ and as complicated as the things I let get in the way. My life is as simple as my commitment to Christ and as complicated as the things I let get in the way. Does that make sense for you? Is that something you could also say? Amen.